Are you looking to get your love life together? You're tired of not having the tools or community you need to navigate these dating and relationship streets. Well, honey, let's take some accountability, do our work and be in the place to reap all the benefits. I invite you to become a Love Lady member and officially join the Match Mary Mate community. You can choose your specific dating and relationship package to work with me. You'll have access to digital resources, video trainings, coaching content, course materials, and even the opportunity to live stream with me with certain packages. If this sounds like something you want, be sure to join today because I'd love to have you. Visit coachjoyce.com to get started. I want to see your face in the play. You're listening to the Match Mary Mate Show, where Black women learn how to get their love lives together. Here, I guide you on your dating and relationship journey, empower you with feminine presence, power, and charm, teach you how to navigate and negotiate your needs and desires with men. I'm your host, your girl, Joyce Robinson Myers, and welcome to another episode, Love Bugs. We're continuing our Know Thyself series with an emphasis on our sacral root and our I feel affirmations. Where do we start first with knowing ourselves, but to turn to our parents? Today's show, we're getting all up in you and your daddy's business. Our show is titled Your Father and His Daughter. Yes, I'm talking about you. I invited one of my favorite Black woman therapists and clinicians to talk with us about our relationships with our fathers, namely our Black fathers, and how it affects us throughout our lifespan, and especially in relationships, marriage, and family. First, let's begin with the power of affirmation. start every episode with an affirmation as a way to center self, listen to the body, and honor our spirit. Ask yourself, how are you today? What moods, feelings, or emotions come up? Use that energy to speak life, wholeness, and healing over yourself using the power of your own voice. Speak it into existence with an I or I feel. I feel free of what used to weigh me down. I feel my triggers and process them. I feel present for my own life. Today, I have an interview for you that flows more like a black girl professional combo about daddy issues from the daughter perspective and the therapist perspective. We're also gonna chat about the difference between therapy, counseling, and coaching, and the value in all three. There's a side conversation on naming and caring for your inner girl, being a boy mom, and tips for having a healthy and full marriage and family, even with daddy issues trauma. And then we're gonna close with a little something called the Daddy Issues Inventory. As a relationship researcher with interest in attraction and commitment, 
courtship, culture and dating and intimacy relationships and marriage, I am curious about how single women enter into and form romantic relationships with men. And I care a lot about the decision-making process involved in their choice. My coaching and research tag is that I help Black women navigate and negotiate their needs and desires with men. And to do that, I have to have a grasp on how women make decisions about their dating and relationship choices. Sometimes there is an intentional process, and at other times, women just land in relationships. The research term for that is called sliding. It's defined as a lack of conscious decision-making about relationship transitions, and that's by Venom and Fitchum. You'll see their names in the show notes if you want a reference. To better understand this phenomenon, learning the identifying factors influencing the decision-making process in romantic relationships becomes relevant. One of those factors is attachment styles. And that's one of the reasons for our guest appearance today. Christian's work is centered around attachment styles along with personality traits. And apparently it's a leading factor in how we make our relationship decisions. John Bowlby, that's the researcher behind attachment style theory, along with Mary Ainsworth, defines attachment as establishing or maintaining intimacy with a special person to better cope with the world. And they basically affect individuals' perceptions and attitudes in interpersonal relationships. For example, the type of commitment to parents in childhood could affect individuals' ability to establish meaningful relationships with others in adulthood, and this could form the basis of their approach to romantic relationships. So when I say this episode is about know thyself, your father and his daughter, I mean consider how your relationship with your parent, namely your daddy for today, informs how you enter into a relationship and what you expect out of it. We know that attachment styles are known to affect romantic relationships in adulthood and that attachment styles are also associated with relationship satisfaction. And I care so much about this with black women. In this study called Personality Traits and Attachment Styles in Romantic Relationship Deciding, the researchers found that relationship decision-making correlated with personality traits and attachment styles. And their results suggest that attachment styles are important in explaining decision-making in romantic relationships that may be useful for research and practice focusing on romantic relationships. And that's my jam right there and why I geek out on research. Because they always say this will be useful for these kind of practitioners. And so I like to see where I can situate myself so I can best help my clientele. So please take the attachment style quiz if you haven't already, and then use your results to make sense of your parental relationships and draw a line between them and your current desire for a relationship or your current partner in your relationship. Find any patterns, any connections? If so, I want to talk about it if you care to share. By the way, All of the research shared came from that one article. And again, I will drop the title and authors in the show notes. 
As you already know, I want to aid in the healing of gender relations between black women and black men because I am learning through my coaching practice that when we have the proper relationship education, including instruction, application, and support, it produces safer, happier, smarter, and more stable dating decisions that improves the quality of our relationships as we enter the dating market to match, marry, and mate. So again, our guest today is an expert with attachment styles in the clinical space and the perfect person to share with us the connection between our fathers and our partner selections. It is my hope that today's conversation provides some level of healing for you as a woman and as a daughter, but also offers you some relationship education that helps you to view black men namely fathers and partners, differently and navigate more wisely and strategically for your own safety, happiness, and health. Because why, y'all? Black love matters. And we are in much need of the restoration of Black family power. I have... Christian Jackson, who brands herself as the Daddy Issues Therapist in the studio with me today. I'm so excited. This is my first interview with a non-client. Like I have a, a colleague, a professional in the building with me, and I'm just looking forward to having a very professional but girly and sisterly conversation today. Um, Mrs. Christian Jackson, LPC. LPCS, NCC, come on with the alphabet. Uh -huh. <laughs> Licensed professional counselor, supervisor, and national board certified counselor. She's earned her Bachelor of Arts in Psychology and her Master of Science as an EMDR. Y'all know what that stands for? That means eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Woo, a mouthful. So as an EMDR trained therapist, Christian works primarily to address symptoms of post-traumatic stress. Her experience serving communities around the state includes developing and nurturing relationships with various mental health initiatives. If y'all didn't know, that was kind of the commonality that we have. Y'all heard that? She continues to offer insight about how to cope with the emotional trauma of daddy issues, also known as the father wound, and is hired to speak for various organizations across industries to educate them about mental health and wellness implications related to this based on attachment theory. Welcome, Christian. Hey, girl. Hey, hey, match, Mary, mate crew. I call my people the couch crew at Couch with Christian. So I'm just like, I don't know what you call your people. <laughs> love bugs. <laughs> hey, love bugs. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited, Joyce. Yeah, I'm excited for you to be here. So you all, let me give you a quick backstory. Uh -huh. I launched season one. Thank you for everyone who listened and supported. And when episode four dropped, it was I am valued and it was just a solo episode, but I was responding to a client question about daddy issues that she may have had herself, but then also how to look for good fatherhood qualities in a potential mate as she was dating. That client is now in an exclusive relationship and I think she's found what she's looking for. But at the time of the question, she was really like, I need to find a partner 
through that fatherhood quality lens as well. And I really appreciated it. And so Christian reached out to me and was like, girl, I heard that episode four. And she thought I had um, a fresh take on it and wanted to chit chat. And so we did that. The vibe check passed. And so that's why we're here today to have the conversation. <laughs> Christian, tell us like, yes. what stuck out to you about that episode? Mm -hmm. Why did you like, I got to reach out to Joyce, give us the things. Yes, I am. I pride myself on pioneering um, the daddy issues movement. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I know that that is hard. And so I'm looking for other people who are having these same conversations. And I'm just kind of like looking for someone because nobody talks about daddy issues the way I do. Right? right. And then I said, oh, you know, we have a mutual person that we know, right? Your husband, <laughs> Jeremiah. <laughs> Um, him and I went to elementary school together. So I've known him since I was probably in third grade, right? Wow. So, so, you know, as he, uh, you know, as he does, he supports his wife. He said, hey, uh, we were actually talking about our 2024, 20, 20th year reunion, like randomly. I might reach out to people like, hey, what are we doing? And he said, hey, we may be doing this, but my wife's got a podcast. Listen to this, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, sure. So um, of course, when I came across the episode, I listened to the one with you guys together, which is very cute and I loved it. And then um, I got into I Am Valued because obviously I'm like, oh, she's likely talking about daddy issues. Let's see what's going on. And the way that you talked about how to look for different traits when you're dating so that you can basically interview them, set a standard for how relationships will look like between not just you and the partner, but also your partner and your child. That is something that we don't hear a lot of, like, cause you were very direct and very like succinct about, let's keep these things in mind when we're dating. It's not just about me, especially if we have a family, which I imagine is part of your experience with Jeremiah, right? You know, mm -hmm. you have your own family beforehand. And so that is what really caught my eye as far as like how you were talking about it specifically, which I think is really going to be helpful for me and my work, right? With the women that we both serve, they likely overlap yeah. um, because we can't just think about ourselves. And there's so many different types of families this is very intentional and necessary conversation yeah I love that I love to it's hear great yeah I love to hear a direct and intentional use to describe me <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting out what it is I want to be okay. putting out <laughs> yes I was attracted to the daddy issues therapist when I went to your page I'm like oh she has branded her herself like this she specifically <laughs> is looking for women where this is a wound this mm -hmm. is the issue and helping them to repair i'm all about recovery repair restoration and mm -hmm. so i was sold i went and like instagram stalked you as you know we do we do <laughs> <laughs> and then i went to your website and i saw that you had you know lots of resources mm -hmm. um to help black women who may identify with having um, a, a daddy wound and we'll get into that. But I want to start with you self-identify as a daddy issues daughter. <laughs> All the things. I was like, this is so transparent. I love this girl. <laughs> you got to be right in the work that we do. That's how our clients trust us, you know? So. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it'd be, it'd be people faking it on the internet, but I was oh, happy yeah. <laughs> to see that wasn't you. Yeah. And I love authentic work. Mm -hmm. well, I love when a person is like, I can help you with this. Yes, I have the credential and the education and you do all of those degrees and alphabets, you know, that I <laughs> at the beginning, but mm -hmm. I have experience with this thing. 
right. right? When I am talking to you about what it means to have this father wound and how you process and how I'm coming from a real place because I've had to do this work myself. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd love to hear um, what is a daddy issues therapist Ooh, and, yeah. and, and, and who is like that ideal client or what does that mean? How do you know like, yeah, girl, you got daddy issues. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, a daddy issues therapist is someone who has done his or her work. Okay. So then my books are out of my own experience with going to therapy. I was frankly in sessions with women and, you know, we do our assessment you'll do a consultation with the client and you're getting background on them. And I spend a lot of time on their family relationships and their trauma because trauma is my my jam. That's where I'm trained. That's where EMDR comes in. And so I started hearing patterns of the same kinds of stories about like fathers being absent or present and still being absent if you're picking up what I'm putting down, right? Yes. Or just like that in or out. And so I'm like, oh my God, this is my story. And as a therapist, I am not allowed to take over your session, at least ethically speaking, if I'm being integral as a professional, I'm not going to just like, oh, me too. Let's cry together. Like <laughs> I can't do that. So when that happened one or two more times where I was leaving a session, I'm just like, oh my God, like it's okay to relate to a client. I think it makes it more um, authentic and a stronger rapport. Um, and yet I don't want to feel down for a day or two afterwards. So I said, let me go to my own therapist. Cool. Boom. Did that. I did a lot of work with Kim at the time. Um, she was my therapist then. And we worked through a lot of different things. I did the assignments where, you know, you journal, mm -hmm. <laughs> like we tell our clients to do or suggest. Yeah. And, you know, my book was born. I've always been a writer. I love to write. And ironically, my dad is a writer. Um, and so... <laughs> So I kind of get that naturally, I believe. And so is my mom. She writes poetry. Um, and so I wrote my book. It came out of that. And I think a daddy issues therapist is someone who is going to um, try to take their clients where they've been. Like, we can't, I can't take you where I haven't been. I can't suggest things yeah. that I haven't done, i.e. therapy, sitting and crying with friends, going to those dark places in my mind where I think I've buried it and I don't want to go there. So in this field, in this niche, if you will, uh, we are specifically um, called to, I believe, to, to support women, especially who are having these relationship traumas and not really understanding their attachment wounds. And so a skill set, if you will, clinically, I guess, or if you just have a knowledge base, like we can't do the work we do supporting the women that we support unless we understand attachment. So I um, kind of marry attachment and trauma work. I treat daddy issues and now more recently mommy issues because everybody, when I dropped this book, they were like, girl, I'm cool with my daddy, but my mama, right? So then I'm getting that too. People are like, I got a mother wound. I'm like, wow. Oh, yes. Especially with black women, there is unfortunately like this, you know, there are women with daddy issues, raising girls who are likely triggering them. And that's a whole thing. Um, and so I pride myself in um, being, providing a safe space enough for that, you know, for the women to come and say, hey, like, this is what my daddy did to me or how he made me think of things. Um, I hands down believe we can't talk about daddy or mommy issues without 
getting to that root trauma, experiencing that together, not the details, but how you have interpreted that experience, how it actually affected the way you see things and how you move. And to me, that's always going to be done through a trauma lens. Um, and then understanding the attachment wounds and how I turn out and what are attachment styles. And so those are different components of the work that we have to um, do, I think, in the skill set. And so, yeah, it's that focus. Let's talk about what it looks like, whether you have a dad who was there or not there, or like I said, was there and wasn't there at the same time. And we can get into that. Yeah. Or like my daddy, just shifty. Like I see you sometimes, sometimes I don't. <laughs> uh-huh. And I don't even know what to do with that because I can't ding him for being completely unpresent and unavailable he popped up and appeared at times i have childhood stories he's not absent Mm. from those memories and stories right but i mean you don't you don't got the long stay my mama got though like i knew i was gonna wake up every day and see her right exactly exactly oh man i'm I feel like mm. I need a session after that. Look, um, me too. <laughs> and mine is on Monday. I go every other week just for the people to know I'm in therapy very heavily, okay? <laughs> I go every other week too on Tuesday. So, hey. <laughs> okay. In my coaching practice, I meet women with their daddy issues and they may know that those issues are not their fault, yet that still does not absolve them from the responsibility of just doing their own work. And I have to help them say, listen, these things are not your fault. Help them let go of the guilt. And then I have to say, you do have to take responsibility for this. And this is usually when I pass it over to a clinician mm-hmm. and I say, and you need to get a therapist to help you with that. Like I can, I can co-labor with you and your therapist, but I am not a clinician. So mm-hmm. this is usually where that transition happens. So you are a self-proclaimed daddy issues girl and mm-hmm. you've met this amazing man who's your husband today and you mm-hmm. all are enjoying raising a beautiful family together and so we want to know your secrets how did you do it because one of the most common things that women say to me is you know i might i think i'm so broken i'm so damaged i'm gonna self-sabotage mm-hmm. i don't i need you to hold my hand all the way through joyce because they're mm-hmm. like so convinced that something a parent did for the sake of this episode a father mm-hmm. how are they going to find their guy how are they going to you know get through the issues to get through the dating process and and you know have the emotional capacity to be in a relationship and be in a marriage and raise a family together but mm-hmm. i like to tell them if i did it you can do it too so i'm saying if christian did it you can do it too so give us some deets girl Yes, period. Like nothing is impossible. If you believe it's impossible, then yes, sis, it is. It's going to be whatever you tell yourself, right? So I think, um, first of all, I want to say as a clinician, I appreciate coaches like you because, you you know, there are some people who, of course, want to just, you know, whether it's money driven or fame driven, or they just want to be the one to say, I fixed quote unquote somebody not everyone's going to know or be responsible enough as a professional, first of all, to say, this is not my scope. Like even as a clinician, if I don't treat children or couples, which I don't, I, I myself pass to a different clinician. So first of all, you are modeling responsibility for your clients, speaking of taking responsibility. So I just want to say that that is super important and valuable to me. And look, and anyone listening, that's how you know this is a good referral. It's going to be a good working relationship between me and Joyce, okay? (laughs) Um, And so I just wanted to say that at first. And also just to anyone, just to normalize the journey, it is not an easy one. Like 
my husband and I pretty much have a disagreement several times a week, which is why after we finish recording this getaway, this little quick getaway this weekend we're having, like we need that, you know, (laughs) because it does, we're not immune to having disagreements. And I was, I was really just having this conversation at breakfast with some friends about how I am realizing now that I fight my husband more than I like to admit. So by that, I mean, how do we do this? What's the secret? It's the awareness. Mm. I know that my trauma response between fight, flight, freeze, or fawn is fight because Ray Ray, who I named my inner child, right? 12 year old <laughs> Ray Ray. Okay. When she pops up, my husband knows. He's like, when are you going to see your therapist? You need to take a hot shower. Like he knows my triggers and my coping needs, right? <laughs> So when Ray Ray pops up, she's feeling threatened. She doesn't feel unsafe. It's that awareness piece. So like, how am I going to make this work? How am I going to find a relationship? Do you know what your triggers are? Do you know how you respond to those triggers, right? Because for me, 12-year-old Ray Ray, right? That was about sixth grade. Mom and dad were married, raised us up until then. And then after that, I was like pretty much on my own emotionally and like, physically having to figure things out because mom was in these streets having a good time because she raised my brother and me in her 20s then when her and daddy divorced that she was like 30 so she was like oh my god like I have freedom like I couldn't imagine having a one two-year-old at 19 so that I get right dad was probably doing his own thing too having a good time so that left me and my brother just like okay they taught us how to cook to make us some uh what was it hamburger helper hamburger helper or spaghetti I knew it was one of the two Anything with some ground beef is easy. You just brown it, right? I used to make eggs in the microwave, okay? You couldn't use the stove. Like, they taught us what to do and they was out. And so then that left little Ray Ray like, how do I deal with these emotions? There's puberty. I love boys. And oh my God, what do I do with this? And like trying to explore and figure things out. And so I developed a skill of quote unquote fighting, aka like figuring things out on my own. So like now, fast forward to today, and even when my husband and I first met, um, well, you ain't telling me what to do. I've done this, right? That hyper-independence has developed a very long time ago. And at the same time, and this is where the anxiety comes in, it's so conflicting. I don't need you. You don't tell me what to do. You ain't going to talk in no type of way. And, oh, I do love when you take care of me. And I need you to pay for this. And you, I love how you've kind of replaced my dad in this way and taking care of me so well. So I have that conflict. <laughs> And so how do I make it work? My husband is aware. We have those conversations. I can say, man, you know, this is just my stuff. And I can't just blame it on my stuff. Like you said, we have to take responsibility. Like, like I always tell people, if you were joining the daddy issues movement, if you were in the couch crew with me, Christian Jackson, you can't say Christian said, I got daddy issues. So I can cuss my man out. That's just my daddy issues. That is not what Christian is saying. So let's make that clear, right? A woman with daddy issues and claims to do that and is looking to give herself grace is someone who is taking responsibility. And she says, okay, these are my things and this is what I'm going to do about it. I can't just not go to therapy or not talk to my friend. Like I have to figure out how to deal with this discomfort and knowing that and being constantly aware and working on it is how I think my marriage has lasted this long. How long have you been married? Uh, we've been together for 17 years and married for seven. We just celebrated seven years in July and June. Happy um, anniversary, girl. So, you know, just continuing to be 
mad at each other and then bringing it back together and showing our kids that we can have arguments without divorcing. <laughs> like, you know, they right. see all these things. So all the stuff that I keep in mind, what I saw, what I didn't see growing up. And I don't, I try not to um, do things in spite of or say, oh, I, you know, because that's just so much work to say, oh, my parents could never do this. I'm going to prove them wrong. Like that, I, w- I want to be present in my own relationship. So when I talk about attachment, um, and I, t- I do trainings with my colleagues about how to help our clients be more attached, more securely attached, um, meaning more confident and be able to articulate your needs and just be safe and secure in your relationship. The main ingredient to that, to continue to answer your question is to just be present and mindful in the relationship you have now. And so because we overlap with this, the women that we serve, I'm, I hear a lot of the same things you hear. And a lot of what's coming out is you were still stuck in the past relationship mm-hmm. or you're still trying to create something and you're missing what's happening right now with the person that you're with. Yes. Um, I call it the update delay, right? Ooh, like you can, people, people say when you know better, you do better. And we love Dr. Maya Angelou. We, we love her. Mm. And that has some truth. But what that quote is missing is the time gap that it Mm. takes for all of your being in psychology to update to the new reality. Mm -hmm. I can tell you something right now that can change your life. Some some new, you know, fact or idea you've never heard of before. And that does not mean that you're going to change your life in the next five minutes to align to that. There's so much updating that needs to happen before you can live there. So you you hit on three things okay i care so much about so i want to say them yay <laughs> the first um i just recorded a session with a client mm-hmm. who reached out to me originally a year ago now about masculine and feminine she's like i've been raised by my father i got too much fight in me mm-hmm. and it just it I think it played a hand in a, in a marriage she was in earlier. I won't say that that singularly alone destroyed it, but mm-hmm. it played its hand and she had met a new, a new fella and different guy and they're, they're night and day from each other. Mm-hmm. But in ter- her, her former husband and then the current guy she was talking to at the time, which is now her actual, her new husband, but mm-hmm. they were night and day. So it mm-hmm. wasn't the guy. It wasn't, you know, it's not the, it's not the same triggers or the same mannerisms or the, even the same personality. She's like, and I find myself doing it again. You know, we tell ourselves, I need a partner who's more sensitive, more kind, more this. And so when I find that things will click in place, mm. half halfway true, right? You might right. need a person who's going to be those things. And he is to her, which makes her kind of like blossom in a way that I don't know she would have with the person not being kind and not being sensitive, but she still had this fight and him being kind and sweet and caring did not, you know, get rid of that fight. So she reached out for me that way. And she was saying, one of the things that I learned from you, Joyce, is you've taught me, I can't want to be a thug and a crybaby. Like you got to keep it consistent. And so you were hitting on that with that, Mm -hmm. that conflict. And there's this Mm -hmm. meme that's very popular with black women. And it's like, you know, sis, you can't want to be a thug, a crybaby. And that's always a third thing that I miss. And a lot of black women um, will repost it and go, yes, I can. Mm. So I felt Mm -hmm. when you were saying, I I can't fight my husband. Yes. And then think I'm going to go into this secret, sacred, intimate 
emotional, even sexual or psychological space. Like, this is where I'm going to say, girl, you got to keep that same energy. <laughs> mm -hmm. You do. And it's like, I think you make me think about something I say sometimes, which is, you know, you take you with you. So her husband then and the one now, they're night and day. And who, and so that's one thing. And then the second thing you just made me think of is who are you fighting? Um, probably multiple people, right? Ooh. So you're, are you fighting yourself? Probably so to some degree. And then who do these men represent? For mm -hmm. me, because I take the clinical lens and, you know, we, we talk about daddy issues a lot. What part of your dad does he remind you of? Even if you don't think about it on the surface, right? Yeah. Like, what are these things that he says? Even if we're just talking about self-esteem and, and you know, you don't even have to come to me for, uh, for daddy issues, right? It could just mm -hmm. be like, I just really, I'm feeling super anxious and I'm in my head. Well, let's pinpoint the pattern of that one thought that you always have. Where did you hear mm -hmm. that? Can you think of who said that a lot? Because that person taught you that. It's in your head. Um, we carry all the like remnants of good and not so good with us from all relationships into where we are now and wherever we're putting in the work. And so if you find yourself in a pattern where you're just like, it's just hard for me to make this stick. Um, and you asked me earlier about like my ideal client, that's usually a millennial black women, you know, I attract, right? <laughs> that's my clientele. Um, and let me add this. I treat women. I just had a client last night. She's one of my oldest clients now. She's like 56, mm -hmm. I think. And the gag is because of her complex trauma all different types she's 56 chronologically and she presents probably as a 20 year old when she's dating right like right emotionally emotionally she's stunted developmentally she's stunted mm -hmm. in how she makes decisions and so I want people to understand that too are you dating like a 12 year old right where you were stunted at that point in time so if someone if you have these patterns of thought and you're thinking about like self-esteem and I can't think about like anything past I'm not good enough and I suck and I keep messing up on my job or I keep saying yes to, to these assignments because I want everybody to like me am I a people pleaser because people pleasing or fawning is a trauma response where did you hear that you are not allowed to think of yourself was that your dad did right. he sit down and tell you that or did you watch his actions and did he respond or reinforce something that made you think these things um, it goes really deep. And these are things that these are conversations that you can have and questions you can ask yourself as you're doing your own work, whether you're working with the coach or not, you just want to take it to your coach or therapist. Yeah, I like that you take you with you. That was impactful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, And yes, have a hard time saying yes. Mm -hmm. You said to assignments at work, but in my practice, having a hard time saying yes, or having a hard time saying no to men. Oh, yes. we have to really work on, well, we got to get your self-esteem up so that we can build your confidence so that we can build your courage. Mm. Oh, the courage piece. Oh, yes. talk about that, Joyce. What do you mean? <laughs> Look, I like that. <laughs> well, I have three sets of three C's and okay. we go through them in a progression. Okay. But when it comes to the set, when we're looking to attach and partner, um, one of the C's is courage because I want women to have enough experience interacting with men, hopefully a variety of men throughout their dating journey, where they work on building up their courage muscle, because mm -hmm. you will be so surprised how much, you know, we could be having a, a gathering, or yeah. I could be having a virtual meeting and all of these powerhouse black women will be like, uh, uh, uh. I mean, they can shoot from the hip with all kind of stuff. And the minute they get in the presence of a man, 
have a mm. problem saying this is my line this is my boundary this is my no and they'll come back to the session and i'm like why where why was that happen you were not even supposed to be like i know i just it just it was hardly i thought it was gonna be i couldn't find the words i just couldn't i'm like okay we have to we have to work on some things and we do we, we go back right. to childhood i do a bio data i'm not mm -hmm. a clinician so i'm not getting into digging into all the things that you said but you know i have a psychology background and uh -huh. i do my best to take that training and make sense of it with who they are today and you're right a lot of times we find you're stuck you're you're still thinking you're 12 when you get in the presence of a man and you just uh -huh. have to say yes you're still identifying with that that rape trauma or with that inappropriate behavior and you're feeling you're thinking that you have to present helpless uh -huh. that you don't have a voice that you don't have a say that doesn't have power yeah we have to really do that work because the amount of women like you kind of expect it if it's like oh this person is shy and kind of right. cool but i'm like no these, these are that yes and i'm like y'all will have no problem saying no to anybody else in any other context in a boardroom all of that yeah, yeah. get in relationships and go right and so <laughs> <laughs> yeah um that's why i do what i do there was mm -hmm. um there was a podcast Oh, I'm forgetting the podcaster's name right now. I think Ace Metaphor, he mm -hmm. had a podcast, a little clip of it, and he was saying, women will have all of these degrees and then present foolishly. Maybe even he used the word stupidly, I'm not sure, but will present foolishly in relationships. And one woman replied back to that, yes, but that's because you're making the mistake that a person who is highly educated in their field of work that that would translate to like a high level of emotional intelligence or relationship readiness and preparation mm -hmm. and i was like this lady gonna write my dissertation okay. because mm -hmm. literally that is why i'm doing this like y'all are super educated super degree and i love that for you that mm -hmm. don't have any real relationship readiness skills Yes. And you don't want to date like that. You can't just be out here not knowing what you're doing. And if it was any other area in their life, they would make sure they knew what they were doing. It would be researched. It would be sampled. They would know the market. They would have uh -huh. been everything, right? So don't get me on my, my soapbox. I oh, want to wait. <laughs> I mean, I still think even with that part, because I want to add to the soapbox, Charlie, we here now, okay? <laughs> because I attract black millennial women, professional terminally degreed women, bosses, yes. CEOs, right? Yes. They, they, their hard work and their overachieving, which, you know, I'm so glad and thankful for the contributions that all these dope black women are making. Like, that's yes. dope. Um, and yet, when they come and they have the relationship, like, issues, it's, we could we compare, right? There's a different level of, like, motivation. Again, different cells. I do some parts work mm -hmm. with internal family system systems. And so perhaps your trauma response is overworking. Yeah. Perhaps that overachieving, because I can bury my head in the book. And there's a manual to said industry, right? It's easy. It's I easy. study, I pass the test, I practice. This is the way we do it. And if I do these things, I don't have to stop and think about the things I've been through. And then you come to trauma in life where we don't have a freaking manual, right? Then that's why it's harder for us to be like, oh, how do I navigate these feelings? Like it's easier to be yeah. in the left brain or logical brain right. where there is guidance, like strict guidance because somebody wrote it or whatever. Um, and being in our emotional processing brain where all the pain and hurt and stuff happen, like that's hard for us to do. Um, 
And so it's, I think a lot of the important part of our work that we do is also to kind of help them marry those parts. Mary keeps mm. coming up. I love it. Match, marry me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it keeps coming up. So we have to use both parts of our brain, our logical mm-hmm. and our emotional sides. And so the work that we're doing is helping you ladies reconcile those parts so we can be what we, in the clinical world, we call it our wise mind. Mm. Um, because using one part of the brain or the other is just not as effective. So I tell women all the time, like y'all have these cliches that y'all hold on to that have you abandoning one part of yourself. Like, you know, follow your heart suggests not to give it thought, right? right? right. And use your head suggests not to use your heart. Hardened, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you are a dual being. So only identifying with one half of you probably isn't going to give you a full experience, which is why you're very, very high achieving in career and status and clout, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And very low brow when it comes to how you show up for relationships and your ability to maintain them and sustain them with health, strength, and quality. Yes, um, period. So you mentioned Ray Ray. Yes. <laughs> you don't know how much that blessed me because I've always heard of nicknaming or naming all those, right? Mm-hmm. The other side of self, but mm-hmm. I've never heard of naming or nicknaming the inner girl, the inner child. And so I'm going to do some work and mine. And it really hit me because uh, my clients were doing this visualization board right Mm -hmm. now. And I'll spare all the details, but their final board is a letter to their younger self. And so what they have to do, they have to, with their mind's eye, Mm -hmm. they have to see themselves at their youngest state where they were like, you know, I'm conscious, I can play the tape in my in my my lifetime from this point on out. And they have to find a picture as best as they can of that image or close enough in age to it. Mm-hmm. And they're writing a letter to their um, younger self. And I'm going to make that be a part of their exercise. I'm in the process of finalizing mine because we start presenting them on Sunday to each other, which is give this inner girl mm-hmm. a name her a name and you know the reason we do that is because if you're more likely depending on how and like how severe your trauma was because trauma can have you blackout memories and you might not remember stuff mm-hmm. but me naming ray ray puts me in the mind of oh i remember where she was at that point i know what she was wearing what she thought mm-hmm. who her favorite band was who her friends were what she was going through at the time and so i can immediately go back to being an in-sync lover boy band like mm-hmm. freak right with my friends in sixth grade and meeting my best friend in sixth grade and remembering how hard it was when mom and daddy sat me down like I could, I, it kind of puts you in the mind of who you are who you were at the time so what was Ray Ray wearing what was her hair like usually did she have some hair trauma did she remember being bullied by that like it really kind of gives you detail and puts you in that space because you can revisit that from your safer more rational more adult self so if you've done your work you can go back to that hurt and say oh this is what we've learned so it's not as hurtful for me to go back there and so Ray Ray this is what we've learned this is what we've done so remember that time you went through this um whatever it is and then sometimes we'll talk about um like who was your Ray Ray for me is like 12 to like 17 um I love that activity that's gonna be really great and freeing you know for them to be able to go back with power and intention to where they were um because I think a lot of what blocks 
our clients from doing some of the work. And I just heard this the other day is I I'm scared to feel all these things. Mm-hmm. I just can't be stuck in this depression. I got kids to feed. I got to go to work. I just, I just, Christian, I ain't got time for this. And I'm like, excuse me, like what's the alternative? Right. Hiding, you know, like, do you not trust that you have the power to go back? You're not going to go. They don't. That's exactly what I end up helping them with. Like you have to reestablish, I call it your personal power. And then by extension, your feminine power, when you start to transition, but no, the answer is no, they don't. They need a lot of support with being able to trust themselves enough to revisit, to repair. Uh Love bugs. I need to take a small break, grab a drink, take a quick bio break, and I'll be right back to finish my combo with Christian Jackson. See you soon. You're invited to our second annual Winter Women's Retreat, a slumber party. Did you know that Black women are often the gatekeepers and teachers of culture, memory, and legacy? particularly of the Black family? While on the journey to preparing for a love and life partner, and even more so if you're already partnered or married, I encourage Black women to create a community and cultivate sisterhood with other Black women first. We need each other. Retreat tickets are now available for the first 10 guests at matchmarymate.com. Join us in Asheville, North Carolina for a sacred and spiritual retreat with other Black women who know how to act. Hope to see you in the mountains. Do you have a private or sensitive dating and relationship issue you want to chat with me about? Sometimes we all need a little TLC and one-on-one and I'm here for it. Here's what you want to do. Visit matchmarymate.com. Click work with me and book your individual call. I cannot wait to meet you in the Zoom room, honey. There's an underlying level of fear that just drives us. And that's another thing that if I'm thinking about my daddy issues, and I, you know, I got this from my mama too. Like mama, she is still super anxious. Okay. So I pick that up from her. But a lot of the achievements that I've made and where I am now professionally and all these things and how I just like, oh, Christian's going to be punctual on time and do these things. I'm, I was driven by fear for such a long time. Mm. And so I learned like from dad, because he was military too, very regimented, like, see, you know, we know like regiment routine. So if this don't happen, we can't get here. We can't do that. Mm -hmm. This won't happen. And that's kind of like how I grew up watching him handle business, which things got done. And, you know, I feel like he made it look so easy. But what I picked up from that was I got to be on all the time or yeah. I'm not going to be safe or I'm not going to get these opportunities. And so I recently, with my therapist now, who I love, shout out to Olivia Tate. I love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> and with the help of Lexapro, because I'm taking um, that for almost a year now, mm-hmm. I'm at a good baseline to where even just now this this morning, I had a breakfast, uh, breakfast d- uh, date with my friends. Um, around the corner I'm usually early okay and my other friend is also very anxious and she's like I'm noticing the change maybe it's the older we get or the work we're doing like I would have rushed to be here like not that I want to disrespect anybody's time or be late but I don't need to fly down the highway just to make it 
I'm right. going to be okay. Like things are going to be okay. If I'm late, you'll order my lunch for me or my breakfast for me and my coffee, have it waiting right. for me. And it's fine. Like me grip, she said, she made a joke. She said, I, some, I used to think that if I gripped the steering wheel really hard, I would fly Go faster. Yeah, right on time, you know, like, <laughs> but that's that level of fear that just drives us in our relationships. Like it may not, when we think daddy issues and when, when I say that to people, they think I'm only talking about dating and relationships, but no, like, let's just talk about how your village impacts the way that you just do life. And that's really what I'm hoping people will see. It bleeds into everything. I learned anxiety from my parents. And it bled into, yes, I'll do this supervisor for you. And I'm right. and you'll like me. And well, you know what I'm saying? Like it just it translates into so many different things. Yeah, that's good. I love um when you were speaking about your boys earlier. Mm-hmm. Because I think this will be a nice little transition for the hot question I want to ask. Oh, snap. <laughs> but yeah, this is a psychological concept that I learned. I believe when I was in undergrad Mm -hmm. and it has just been life-saving and that is understanding what a child needs and how they attach to the other gender parent, right? Mm -hmm. Where you need the same gender parent for Mm -hmm. um, the identity. So if I'm talking about me, I need the same gender parent for female identity, right? Mm -hmm. For molding and shaping of what is womanhood and what that journey will look like. Uh But the value in the other gender parent is that they teach you how to um, choose and express yourself and how to show up for yourself by in relating to other gender people. Right. Uh And so my professor gave me this nugget and it has just changed my life. So you have sons. I have sons. You have have sons, right? Boy, mom. Yeah. Um, Boys look to their mother for how they will choose their partners right? mm-hmm. because they're, they're choosing women if that is what they're going to be yeah. doing, right mm-hmm. i'm looking to my mom to teach me how to choose what my mom was the template for how i view women and by extension how i'm going to choose them in my life right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i'm looking to my father for how to treat women and this is the view that they have and so when you were talking about um you know, I don't want to give this thing to my sons. I have to make sure that I, you know, get my Ray Ray together. And my husband, you know, understands that. First of all, I like the name Ray Ray because not only the naming quality is amazing, but also it can serve as a buzzword in your marriage. But in terms of your boys being able to have their own, you know, lens into your marriage, your family, who is mommy, who is daddy. I love this healing work that you were talking about because you are setting that template, right? Mm-hmm. Your boys are going to go off into the world and like, okay, I saw mommy manage it. I saw mm-hmm. mommy take responsibility. Mm-hmm. I saw mommy da 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 And it helps them to be able to choose partners like that. And I love that because I'm pretty sure you know this. I see it a lot in research where it says black women or black mothers, they raise their daughters, but love their sons. Mm. Right. And so like this idea that we're like over harm girls, you got to get out of here. You got to go to school. You got to do all of this. But then we coddle our boys. And when you do that, right, uh-huh. they think, oh, I need to have a woman who's going to coddle me. So I just wanted Maybe to more. return back to that and say that because part of daddy issues or uh-huh. at least trying to mitigate them or get rid of them in your own like lineage and your own family uh-huh. is how we mother. 
making mm. sure that we are mothering sons who will become men, right? Mm. And need to later on into the dating market and that his female counterparts mm-hmm. quite literally don't have trash to deal with because mommy was a mess. Yep. Yep. Because right? mommy had unresolved daddy issues. Ooh, girl. <laughs> so I would love for you to tell us how the relationships connect the relationship that i have with my father and the relationship that i have with my partner and even if i don't have a partner yet the relationship that i am developing in my mind and in my heart with men who i'm dating what's the connection there we all know you end up choosing your daddy in some way or fashion but give us the therapist point of view what is the relationship between those relationships yes i think that the I'll use myself as an example, and it's something I write about in my book. Um, after outlining like symptoms of daddy issues, I want I paint the picture of um, different types of women with daddy issues. Mm. So the gold digger or the gold digger, um, the woman on the defense, she's likely traumatized. The um, um, daddy's girl, who yes, daddy's girls have daddy issues. So my dad and I, this is part of the story I share in the book we fell out at 21 there was a fraternity issue it's a whole thing my husband um and I met around that fallout and so immediately Tony replaces my daddy Mm -hmm. (laughs) because he's giving me the comfort and the love and providing for me um where daddy had fallen off so at the time, in my immature 19-year-old mind, I'm like, oh, so, I mean, this is great. I still have support. Some may call today a, a gold digger, right? right? And so in the book, I'm defending her. Like, she is digging for something, whether it's security or comfort or protection. It's not always about money. It can be related to those things. Um, but I had never, like, my own dad is not putting anything down on my tuition. But one semester when I was struggling to get back to school because I was partying with Kappas and Omegas all the time, right? <laughs> I lost my scholarship freshman year. I met Tony. I spent so much time with him and, like, fell in love right away. And he watched me cry about not being able to go back to school the next semester. And who paid that tuition that year, that down payment? My husband, my now husband, right? right? So like immediately I've associated him with security mm-hmm. because of the lack of what I didn't have for a while. Because by the time I was 12, meeting my husband around 19, going to college for the first time, it was a lot of, like I said, Ray Ray was trying to navigate things, like try to figure out life. Like I was homeless my senior year of high school, trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to get to college and fast forward. Like, you know, my attachment, to a home and security because mom was struggling to pay rent. So we moved around a lot. Like I didn't have a lot of stability. So even that as attachment figures and understanding where my dad was or wasn't during that time, that also plays a role. So clinically you're looking at all these different things that play a role into what poke holes into your idea of stability. So mine happened to be a person. A person finally came and was consistent and provided in all the things and was not perfect by any means, okay? But at the time, what Ray Ray needed was someone or something to be solid and consistent. I had my Mm -hmm. best friend who is still my best friend to this day, love her, talk to her every day. Romantically, I'm like, okay, so then this is what I've been missing. Someone to really make me feel safe in an emotionally intimate way. physically and all the things. So if we're looking clinically at these relationships between like daddy issues and like how you choose your partner, how you conceptualize dating, a lot of the times we're going to choose what we're missing 
Yes. We're just trying to fill a gap. I mean, that's it. We're just going to be comfortable. People make things so like cerebral and try to make it complicated. We are just humans out here trying to can. And if I can make my life easier in some way and you, you can feel it, then that's what I'm looking for. Right. You know, and so they're just trying to, which I was trying to fill a gap in my own story. I may be trying to choose someone who's the opposite of my father, who was terrible to me, right? That could be another instance. And then everything in between. And what we are missing, and as a clinician, what I'm listening for again is what is it that is causing you to miss what's happening now? Because mm. you're not being mindful, you're not being present. So your trauma is set up so that I went through this boom, traumatic experience, whatever it was. And now all I'm trying to do is stay safe, emotionally, physically, and otherwise. And so that may involve a relationship, it may not. And it's hard. This is where daddy issues come in. If you identify them and you're aware of them, that's great because now you know what gets in the way and what you need to check every so often, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we're going to falter, then we need to know how to address the barriers. So depending on how intensely these symptoms show up, um, these attachment wounds, they flare because it says, oh, there's a threat emotionally, physically, I'm not safe. Things aren't going to be okay. So these relationships take a toll and we just, um, they take a toll. They, they serve a purpose. So it may take a toll in that I, it makes me more anxious. Um, and I'm not as informed as to how to have this be a healthy connection. It's just a lot of different factors, but as long as we are aware, I think that that's make, that makes the biggest difference. Cause then, you know, like, what do I need in this moment? Yeah. You said, they're not being mindful. You're looking for what's missing because oftentimes they're not being mindful or present. I would agree with that. I will also add, at least my clientele, they also don't tend to be honest. Oh, yes. Because it's hard to be real. Yeah, the denial is crazy. It is. But the gag is the denial keeps us safe. I read somewhere that denial is like God's gift because if we were to experience the entire like impact of a traumatic experience, we would not be able to handle it all at once. Hmm. So denial kind of helps you navigate and, and take it in, in safe chunks. Now we're not supposed to live there. Right. <laughs> but um, just to reframe and kind of add to the purpose of denial, um, which is safe for a while, that is, that's kind of how I've been conceptualizing it because you brought up guilt earlier. Dr. Brene Brown, she talks about guilt versus shame. She's yeah. a shame researcher and I love her work. And so that guilt piece, if I'm real with that, that means that I actually allowed this thing to happen. And so like a lot of trauma survivors will quote unquote, allow things to happen because I just need to be safe or I'm supposed to do this thing. And so I feel guilty, like I shouldn't have let this happen. And so for sexual assault survivors, I shouldn't have let this man touch me. I can't believe I did that. Mm -hmm. But you were four and he was 12 or he was 25. Like right. we have to rework a lot of those uh, narratives because why should you feel guilty about that? And if I'm living in shame, that means I'm internalizing that guilt. I feel bad. So guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad. And so a lot of what, like what you were talking about is like being real. If I am real about this thing, I wore that skirt and I should not have to that party. And that is why this happened to me. And now I'm ashamed because my mama taught me, my mama was hard on me, right? Daddy told me that I shouldn't have, right? So this is where we get into these narratives. Like, what did you pick up? What makes sense? Um, I'm, I'm guilty, you know? I can't possibly tell anybody this thing. I did something bad. I wore this skirt. So then when I went on this date, 
this is what happens. This is what right? happened. Right. So it's it's so deeply rooted. And so I think a lot of what our work does and why it's so crucial and powerful and it's so necessary. And I'm so glad black women are coming for the help that we offer is because we have we have to unravel that. Like we're able to have access to care that our ancestors did not. We are healing our ancestors by going and doing the work that we, they weren't allowed to do. Um, a lot of this Ray Ray talk um, is me healing her, right? It's reparenting her, right? And so if she didn't get a hug the way she wanted to, then she's going to go get it. Now, I will say on a almost lighter note, my husband is not a great hugger and he knows that I know what his I know how his trauma is set up I get that right so like <laughs> the love languages um I heard someone say that the love languages are basically a manifestation of our tra their trauma responses so for me um I'm physical touch and words of affirmation like those are my top two I didn't hear a lot of Christian great job you know I just kind of did things and was smart and on on a roll whatever I would like to hear it as a kid you really want to I just didn't really get that a whole bunch um I didn't get a whole bunch of hugs and stuff like that um I really would have liked to you know but I just didn't and so I know what I need and like if Ray Ray is really showing up like I have to go to my our six-year-old because he's he loves to snuggle with mommy he loves it <laughs> They were snuggling last night, you know, and he's not going to be small for long. I'm learning right. that with our 12-year-old whose voice is changing. I'm freaking right. out about puberty. So so I have to be mindful. And so I, if I'm, if my husband's like, oh, okay, like Ray Ray's showing up, you need your hug. You know, he'll do me that solid. And I just, and like, I'll process with him and say, how does that feel? Is this too long? You know, I'm trying to be mindful of his needs too. Exactly. It can't be just me, you know? Yeah. Y'all can both meet each other's needs. Uh -huh. I absolutely love that. Okay, so my my million dollar question: Can you explain to us the difference between? I first asked you this question and said the difference between coaching and therapy, yeah. and then you were like, "I see your coaching and therapy, and I raised you some counseling too." I was like, "Okay, sis, <laughs> and therapy." So yes, so I do want to talk about just therapy and coaching but before we do that I do want you to explain the difference between coaching counseling and therapy to my audience please yeah yeah sure so um first of all everybody doesn't need therapy let's talk about that guys Ooh. that's the first part you know so um I think what what this is such a responsible question because I think people think you know we're talking about mental health so much that you only think therapy um so that's the first thing therapy is going to be like you know your more long-term clinical process you go to a licensed professional um a qualified mental health professional who's done training probably has a master's you know is doing this thing so you're likely going to be in therapy for six plus months, right? They're likely going to do some trauma work with you, do some deeply rooted stuff. It's going to take more time because you're doing more work across your timeline, AKA your life. Right. So we're doing like these clinical interventions that are obviously research-based. We know um, what cognitive behavioral therapy has the most research. So everybody does CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. And you're going to check in every once in a while, like every three months, I do a treatment plan update because you're going to develop a plan, which is basically a list of goals. And so over after three months, you revisit your goals. You can do it before then, but you know, you're going to be together for a while. That's really, that's therapy. That's long-term. It may look like an, that an individual one-on-one -on -one counselor therapy. You may be doing it in a hospital. 
So you may be an inpatient. So there's also that level of care where, you know, one-on-one therapy once a week or every other week for a while may not work. So you may do it in the hospital and be admitted to a hospital or check yourself in. And you may do something like groups, therapeutic groups, where you're going to meet, which is a very powerful tool. I personally love groups. <laughs> it's so amazing. It decreases the shame because you know you're not the only one and mm-hmm. you become more comfortable sharing your stories. That is therapeutic in itself. So then another piece to add here is what you are doing as a relationship coach is therapeutic because you're getting this element of um, guidance and care, right? Um, that is not necessarily as a licensed professional counselor or therapy, but I can come over to one of your sessions and guarantee I hear some CBT. You know, there's a lot of overlap, right? You're not calling it that, but your relationship as a coach, if we shift to that difference um, from doing therapy is you are able to give advice, right? Like if you choose <laughs> as a coach, um, my style is kind of like very lax. What you see is what you get. It's going to sound conversational, but I know in the background, I am doing CBT. We're doing IFS. Like I know these things, um, as a therapy, what is, as a therapist, what is not, it's not advice giving right. now something more, um, short term would be the, it's in terms of therapy versus counseling. Counseling is more short term. So there's solution focused therapy, like interventions that are less than six months maybe more to three where you come in with one goal like career counseling I want a job by this time so give me these bullet points we're going to work on this very intentionally let's do this every week I've called this amount of jobs I've done this to to, uh, I've done this for this long to get ready for interviews boom I found an interview outfit boom I'm coming back I'm assessing how did it feel what was getting in the way let's talk about this how do you challenge that thought so that you can reach your goal within this amount of time it's very much short term counseling or mental health work depending on the diagnosis the need after you've been assessed and really kind of talked to the professional about what you need you kind of figure out like is it therapy or is it counseling for me like what is it Um, So that's also going to be really important. That's why consultations are important or vibe checks, right? Where you kind of call (laughs) that you want to talk to and you say, how will you help me? You know, how long is this going to take? How many appointments do you think this is going to be? Like, help me understand what this is going to look like for me if I, you know, choose to hire you. You can Mm -hmm. fire your therapist, you can fire your coach. And I will say that regardless, we are working our way out of jobs, Joyce. I don't know if that's something that you, okay, you know. You're not supposed to be in therapy forever. Like I will say, um, if you decide to have a therapist on standby, cool. Like, you know, yes. I, I, I was going once a week, twice a week. Now I'm going once every other week. Now I'm going once a month. Now it's just like a check-in a couple of times a year. You know, you kind of figure that out. Um, and so therapy versus uh, counseling is really just the timing and how severe your symptoms are. Um, therapy is going to be way more symptoms driven. Like I have anxiety I have uh, a depression diagnosis and there's a whole list of those whole list of anxiety Um, and again coaching is way more and you correct me if I'm wrong here because I'm still learning how to even discuss that but but outside of the the, um, counseling and therapy world coaches are going to take you it's going to be way more lax as far as like I'm not married to this intervention like to me I've always understood you have um guidelines and a and a level of training that you go through to really be able to see people and then you can read the way that a therapist cannot read directly because I cannot directly <laughs> give advice or whatever 
And so it's it's more than it's it, I, I've always kind of picked up that coaching is more direct. Yeah, I would definitely say um, it's more direct. I've never been the provider in any other space to compare it in that way. But of course, I've been I've uh-huh. been patient. Right. I've been client uh-huh. in in all three of those spaces in some point. Uh-huh. Um, I like to say that therapy, you're going to spend a lot of time working through your past. Yes. Right. Things that have happened to you, things that you have done, things that just come with the existence of who you are, like the inception of birth and coaching is right now. Right. Right. And so I see therapy as we're starting in the past to bring you to the present. I see coaching as we're starting in the present to bring you to a future, something you know else that you want. And maybe there's some space for even counseling in that when you were talking about yeah, yeah. the more short term or targeted goals. Mm-hmm. I think the difference is, yes, I can give advice. Yes, I can give the read. I also have a little bit more tools at my disposal with what I can bring to the session, right? I can bring ancestral truths and wisdoms. I can bring universality. Mm-hmm. I can bring um, the intuition, the introspection piece that, you know, Black women got on lock. Um, so I can bring that and use those as tools to help them help them arrive at their milestones and goals into their fuller self. But yeah, I think your definition, I don't know therapy, the world of therapy at all. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know what the DSM-4 is, or now it's the DSM-5, I think, oh, revised. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know what the major therapeutic, I guess you would call them interventions or models. I know the EMDR and the, you know, the talk therapy, the CBT. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with those just because they came with my education. Right. And I don't know that work at all. Like as a provider, I mm-hmm. quite literally chose the educator route because Mm -hmm. I like my ability to impart, to give advice, to add other cultural, you know, and feminine and universal things in in a space where therapy would limit me there. And I just, because I had to make that decision. My undergrad is in psychology. And I was like, we're going to go the educator route where you got a little bit more, or we're going to go, you know, the psychology route. I preferred the freedom quite literally. So yeah, I love that. And I will say that the way I was trained, I've been doing this what to like 10 years professionally now. Um, we know the DSM 5 TR now. I mean, it was originally written by white men for white men. Right. You know, like it's a thing. And so the the practitioners that I know, the clinic, the clinicians I know who because I'm in private practice, I develop relationships with like, you know, we're so siloed, especially since COVID, everybody had their private practice from home. And so you kind of, right. you know, we build community. And the trend now, especially for Black women, because we are just healers, we're, you know, you're most likely going to find a Black mm-hmm. woman therapist. Um, we are kind of like divorcing that, uh, even ethically, the ethical training that we got, ethics now in the ACA, the American Counseling Association for Therapists, we're becoming way more lax in understanding that there is more of like an intuitive ancestral need and pull for us mm-hmm. to talk to us the way we need to be talked to yes. so i i am privileged and excited about where the therapy field is going um still keeping my license to be abreast of what of these course. models are that's coming out while also so that i can add the flavor that needs to be added right <laughs> 
there's a marrying of those things of our innate cultural power right and um into the therapeutic field which I appreciate and I love and the freedom that I have because I'm doing the work is that you know I'm still a responsible professional I can talk about God if I want to in a session ethics will say don't do that you know but I can now share a sermon and not feel like oh the board's going to come get me right because we're going with what the client needs so all that to say to your listeners that if you want to choose whatever route, please know that there are therapists and coaches out here who do have your um, preferences and priorities in mind, and it's not regimented. You can have a therapist and a coach, right? And I have a, a social worker who is clinical, who does, um, she'll see a social worker and, you know, and a therapist. She does Reiki. Right. I'm about to go get on her table in a couple of weeks. Listen, <laughs> friend, do I need so. to come to South Carolina? Okay, dope. I'll give you the I'll give you the info, child. But she, I've been on her table and came off changed. You okay, know what? <laughs> we we will be we will be there this summer. Okay. So I might need to look you up. I just had an energy reading yesterday. Oh. Girl changed my life. I'm telling but you, I love this innate culturality um, that you mentioned. Because where else I have a client who says, where else am I going to go where somebody gives me the awareness that we're about seven generations away from our enslaved ancestors. And usually around the seventh generation, the group of people start, okay, let's do something different. Let's like, let's turn it around. Right. Who else is going to tell me that? And that just, you know, changed her mind with like, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like we are obviously our ancestors descendants right between all the events and time that has taken place between their lifetime and ours Mm. there's so much more available for us and we quite literally have the power to especially millennials because we're the first full generation born post-civil rights we have the power to redefine redevelop reshape a lot of things that make a culture a culture family marriage therapy all these things and it's on us you're allowed to and that's like the tagline or the subtitle of my book is how to detangle from the sins of our fathers right because tapping into and i want people to think about how generationally there are lots of things passed down and so this power you're talking about this conversation about how my dad didn't do this or he did do this and affected me this way it's so taboo but we can't really look forward without looking back to see what we want to change and breaking cycles and so it's about generational trauma that's why we're doing this thing we're trying to figure out what residuals are there what's useful and what's not Okay, so you have a daddy issues inventory. Oh, I do, yeah. And I paraded your site. I'm like, look at this. Mm-hmm. So I purchased mine, I think, what was it? Maybe seven bucks? Yeah, seven dollars. Okay, so it's not expensive, you all. I purchased it. I did my inventory. I'm going to have Christian talk about this brainchild of hers in a second, but I'm going to tell you my experience. So I think the highest score is 35. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a series of questions that are broken down into categories, spirituality, romantic, parenthood, slash auntie, slash mentor. I had loved the range in that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was, I think, also employee business owner. And there's all these, these prompts and you rate 
And then at the end, you give this reading where it's like, okay, zero to 10. If your score is zero to 10, mild. Mm -hmm. If your score is 11 to 20, moderate. Mm -hmm. And then girl, it just said 20 plus, you got daddy issues. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to us about the inventory. How did you come up with this? How do... How can we make sense of it or use it if people want to go purchase their own? Then the inventory is going to give you insight to what degree you have daddy issues. It's just a fun way for me to show you on paper so you can just see, dang, like I didn't think about how my daddy issues might affect my friendships, right? And so um, I want you to be able to see and name how severe, quote unquote, your daddy issues are, because my argument is that everyone has them to a degree. If you're alive and you're breathing, kind of like anxiety, you have it to on a spectrum. I believe in spectrums. Right. And that involves me saying, OK, let's look at your relationships. Maybe I need to lead with that um, so that you can kind of match. Like you asked me earlier, how does that relate directly to your daddy issues? And so, for example, um, how do they affect my beliefs in God? Is it harder for you to trust God because of your view of your heavenly father? Is it clouded because how you experienced your earthly father, which was a like mic drop moment in my therapy session (laughs) when I was like, I know I need to return to spirit. I know I want to return to God, but I'm like, even now I'm kind of like in a weird tug of war with God. Now I'm just like, oh, the trust is back down. Um, Regardless of everything that's been provided for me, I feel like a little distant even now today. Um, That happens for me, ebbs and flows. Um, My father and I are not speaking. It's not directly related to my dad, but I can say that really conceptualizing my tangible father and how he was in and out emotionally and how I handle my spiritual life and my heavenly father. So how can you trust a heavenly father you can't see if your example of a father on earth is a little shoddy, right? And so I really want people to understand there are different ways to talk about daddy issues. So this is my attempt that has been successful so far to really expand your lens on what daddy issues could be. So the inventory just gives you a chance to be able to do that. And once you use inventory, first of all, trigger warning, you don't know what's going to come up. So I do want to say that. And I give you a chance at the end of the inventory to kind of journal your thoughts. Like, do you agree Mm -hmm. with the score? Do you don't like that's not up to me. Don't let Christian Jackson put words in your mouth. If you disagree, you're not, we're just trying to get you to, um, think about it to consider what could it possibly be there and what's not there. Um, and so then you'll have a chance to connect with me and talk about the other services and things I have to offer, but this is just a really great start to kind of see where you stand. So talk to us about that. Let us know about your book, the services that you offer. Yeah, sure. Um, so if you, want to go to Amazon, you can prime my book. And then there's a workbook. You can get both at my website, couchwithchristian.com. The workbook is an extension of what you will find in between the chapters of my book. So after every chapter, you're going to find um, a few reflective questions because the way that I work is I'm going to educate and we're going to see if it sticks, right? We're going to see. Me too. We are almost the same. (laughs) Like I love so much in common. I love it. So you know, we need to make sure you're learning, right? Yes. Um, a big part of how I treat is to first of all educate because if you don't know what I'm talking about, then ain't no treatment happening. The book is a great place to start if you're like, oh, I have daddy issues. I don't know. I will say caveat, it's I read I wrote the book in 2020. I'm in a different place and have learned a lot more about myself and my situation. And I really want to do a rewrite. So maybe I will be able to sell it one day, but I self-published this book and I'm really proud of it. Um, if someone wants to continue the conversation past that, I have an online coaching program. I'm very intentional 
again, vibe checks, consultations, because I'm very protective of your grace space. Um, grace is an acronym that you'll find at the end of my book. So um, G stands for getting to know your symptoms, rescripting your negative messages, addressing your self-care needs, connecting with people that make sense and enforcing proper boundaries. That is G-R-A-C-E. So that is the system that I use and I teach to help women to navigate relationships to, which is really the relationship with their self, with themselves, the God of their understanding so that everything else will fall into place, right? So really you giving yourself grace, the grace for woman, that is kind of like, that's part of my brand. Your grace space is where we actually work through the grace method. We come together second Monday of the month. You have access to me one-on-one optionally, if you'd like to, to kind of process what you didn't in group. We have a group chat where we chat in between and then also a portal where, you know, the inventory is there for free. You get that. I have another inventory that's a self-care inventory to kind of like give you a chance to say, am I really doing these things? Uh, I wrote a course. Um the grace method, how to move from being anxiously attached to securely attached. Um, and so those are the different tiers of services that I offer. And of course, you can keep following me from my shenanigans at Couch with Christian <laughs> on the internet. On the Instagram is where I'm most active. Yeah, thank you for that. I want to get into that attachment going uh-huh. from anxious to secure. Not for me, I already have a secure attachment style, but I would like to guinea pig it so I could recommend it to my clients and really be able to speak to my own experience in it. I really like that one because I have a lot of clients. Mm -hmm. I will have them take the attachment quiz so I can understand what we're getting into. Um, And I think I do a good job helping them to process it and and manage it. But obviously I'm not a clinician. So having a resource where I can say, hey, you go through this course and then Mm -hmm. you bring me back your epiphanies, your understandings, you know, your contentions, and I will help you process and, and make sense of it. So I didn't even know you offered that one. I'm happy I asked the question because you you uh-huh. put something in there I didn't even know. So Christian, are you ready to enter the sacred sisterhood circle with me? Yes, girl, let's go. <laughs> the sacred sisterhood circle is a quick but intimate round of prompts that I'll feed you. You'll simply reply with the closest truth in your heart at the moment. You ready? Yes, let's get okay. it. Okay. What's your favorite word to describe Black women? Um, powerful. What's one affirming quality about Black men that you want them to know? You are safe. Hmm. What's one of your personal or feminine superpowers? My insight. At Match Mary Mate, we approach life and its events joyfully. So tell us one hard thing that's happened recently that you have joyfully reframed. Okay, so speaking of my dad and daddy issues, we were not speaking Father's Day this past. So this would be another Father's Day since 2016 that we have not interacted. Our birthdays are like five days apart. So every year around this time, I'm pretty down, you know. Um, I have reframed that to just accept that we are taking care of ourselves. And because I know my dad's trauma story, I am just choosing to believe that he's given himself what he needs um, instead of making it about me. (laughs) Okay, speak to a younger black woman in this moment and gift her with one thing you wish you knew or realized 10 years ago. Everything you need, you already have. Okay, what's your greatest lesson learned from dating and relationships or even marriage? The greatest lesson I've learned is that you're allowed to change. And then last but not least, 
What's the best advice you've ever received as a woman? Um, use your voice. Thank you for being in the studio with me today on this. You spent your Friday morning with me. I know you have to get your stuff together and get your husband on his weekend trip. Yes. <laughs> so I really appreciate you for showing up and for just sharing your gifts and your talents and your work with my audience. Hopefully this is not your last time in the match Mary made space and maybe mm -hmm. I need to find myself on in the gray space or on the couch with Christian once yes, or twice sure. myself. <laughs> We end every episode with thought or heart provoking questions for your journal. Journaling is simply prayers on paper and the most high tends to those two. Dear listener, how do you care for your inner girl? What mindful practices do you regard for regulation? How do you communicate that with the people in your circle? Do you have daddy issues? Be honest. How are you healing any residual pain or trauma from your daddy? It's okay to write about the blessings and the burdens. Pour it out into your journal today. Release yourself, free yourself, and most of all, be yourself. P.S. No woman is better at being you than you. If you're interested in my developing research or want to discuss the trends, patterns, or stories I observe daily in my coaching practice at your next event, you can reach me at hello at matchmarymate.com. Another thank you to Mrs. Christian Jackson for spending time with me in the studio today and sharing her expertise with the Match Mary Mate audience. Today, I leave you with Christian's favorite mantra, everything I need, I already have. Thank you for joining me today and tuning into another episode of the Match Mary Mate Show. If this episode resonated with you, please comment, rate, or review our podcast. Your feedback would just melt my Southern girl heart. Until our next time together, love, light, and relationship. Remember, we grow as we go, and I'll be with you in the next episode. Cheers. This was a virtual interview with Joyce recorded from two places within the world with either a professional in the field, a fellow colleague or a client willing to share her story to inform you on relationship education topics, including dating, partnerships, and marriage and family. If you're interested in being a Match Mary Mate guest, please email the producing team at podcast at matchmarrymate.com.